What's up, guys? We are back, your high street freaks. Um, you know, it's it's been a minute. It's been a minute. We both kind of have been just taking and taking some time away. I guess away is wrong because we've been posting on the boards pretty prolifically. But uh, you know, I was I was on a boat in the Caribbean, went on a cruise. Ryan was doing whatever he does, uh, just taking some time to decompress from the. It's been a, it's been a wild couple months of of roller coasters between we're we're in hell and we're so back. So I think we're leveling out and we're able to kind of just digest everything. But uh, I don't know. We got some stuff coming, but we're finally back. We're in the in the podcasting spirit, and we got a whole bunch to talk about today. How you feeling, Ryan? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, yeah, you were off taking. Uh, you had your vacation. I have been doing a whole bunch of uh, like deep work projects that I've basically been doing research for like 10 or 12 different articles that are coming out over the next few weeks. So I have been uh, kind of getting ahead of the game. We'll let some other folks write. And um, yeah, it's good, man. You know, I've been kind of getting back in the swing of things. I just have been podcasting with Patrick a little bit. I just did one uh, last night with our friends, uh, Dan, AKA Fixedalskis and Brandon Justice uh, about Jim Harbaugh leaving for the Chargers, what Michigan does next which has me pretty amped up because it looks like he might freak it. It looks like Cheryl Moore might absolutely freak it. So I'm excited about that. We'll probably talk about that <laughs> in the premium a little I bit. Think you the premium, I. yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, obviously, you guys will say it's a free podcast. Uh, we should mention we are brought to you by meetatmidfield.com, which is our website. We work there with our friends Patrick Mayhorn and Taylor Fulton uh, doing coverage of Ohio State football, National College football, Michigan, the Big Ten, everything in between. Uh, we have premium episodes of this podcast every week uh, available to subscribers. If you sign up for me at midfield.com, you can uh, join up and get those premium podcasts every single week. We also have premium episodes of flipping the field, uh, our national college football podcast. You can read all of mine and Kevin's articles, the message boards he was talking about, which I mean, we really do think are the best message boards in college football. Uh, so yeah, come bookie, come, uh, come sign up and uh, come work with us at me at midfield and come hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're there. And so that's the only, the only reason you need to come hang out. Um, we'll be posting, we post on the boards. We had honestly like shout out to you. I think you had the most correct information the soonest on Julian saying that I saw on the internet, um, posted on our boards. You, you called you. that, you called that before literally anyone else. I think everyone else was pretty as everyone else was like vehemently saying it was not going to happen and was almost like laughing at the thought that um, Ohio state would actually do this. I think you were pretty adamant that this was indeed going to happen regardless of what they said. So had to, yeah, we, there. we got pretty solid info, pretty rock solid info that it would be done and that he was all the way in. Uh, and that also there were some protests from players and parents that basically uh, some of the class of 2024 kids were, not pumped about the idea of, uh, I wouldn't call it recruiting over Aaron Nolan, but adding in an extra target who is also at the top of Ohio State's boards alongside Aaron Nolan uh, after they had already signed. I know that wasn't super popular among the other commits and their parents, but uh, kind of what I said on the board would happen is Ohio State would have some meetings with those people and pretend like it was a really hard choice for about 48 hours, and then uh, Julian Sam would join Ohio State, which is 100% what happened. Uh, yeah. He was, oh, my talking out of turn here by saying this, but uh, he was, it was already done before they had those meetings. (laughs) Those meetings were (laughs) for the purpose of looking like it wasn't done, but it was done before those happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, he was going to be in that class. Like to be clear, they love Aaron Nolan and want Aaron Nolan on this team badly. They think he's a great quarterback as well. I think that their ideal Mm -hmm. scenario was having Aaron Nolan, Lincoln Keen holds and Julian Sayan battle it out next year for the starting quarterback job. Yeah. That's great. But if their option was have Julian Sane or have Aaron Nolan, they would have picked Julian Sane. Yeah. And, and and to be fair, like that's that was a choice they made months ago. Like as soon as they lost Dylan Rayola in the class. Yeah. yeah. As soon as they lost Dylan Rayola in the class, the first person that they went for was Julian Sane, not Aaron Nolan. And when it was pretty clear that they weren't going to flip Julian Sane from Alabama, that's when they ended up with Aaron Nolan. And that's not to say that Aaron Nolan is this like insane, like they're settling for like a bad quarterback or something like that. He's Truly. a top five quarterback in the country. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. Good. He's great. And I had somebody ask me, um, my boss actually over at uh, Awful Announcing was like, is this kind of just like a CJ Stroud, Jack Miller situation? I was like, well, no, because 
Jack Miller was bad and they recruited over him and said like, listen, like you can stick around, but like, I think everybody in the world knew what was going to happen there. Like CJ Stroud was already a better, like a decidedly better quarterback. That was a fast riser going into the class. Like I think Ohio state would have been fine with just Aaron Nolan. Like it, it would have been great, but now you get like two top five quarterbacks to battle it out for a starting job. Like, you know, like sometimes it's, I, people say it all the time. Like recruiting on some level is just a crapshoot. And so if you have more dice to roll, Sweet. Like maybe Aaron Nolan, I think right now Julian Sands is a better quarterback than Aaron Nolan, but maybe Aaron Nolan just like develops awesomely and passes him in like a year. Like maybe he takes to the coaching better. Maybe he has a higher ceiling or something like that. And like quarterback battle next year, he, he beats him out. Maybe Julian yeah. Sands really is yeah, maybe, awesome. maybe, maybe Lincoln Keenholz like better, than better when he's not thrown into like a half cooking yeah. plan with no notice and a bad offensive line. Yeah. Like right. it's, there's a lot of variables there and they're taking the highest odds they can of having the most, Bullets in the gun, right? They want enough bullets in the gun to get a good quarterback. That's why they took Julian Sayan. Um, I think it was the obvious choice to make. I think all the hand wringing of oh, should they, shouldn't they? It's gonna hurt people's feelings. Who gives yeah, a come fuck? The fuck like, on. Yeah. It's it's there is this old fashioned antiquated line of thinking that I think has been wrong for I don't know a decade at least, if not longer, and it's is certainly more wrong by the day that relationships with recruits can overcome like the need to win. Like if you just have enough loyalty to the recruits you're signing, it'll work out great. And it's just not really true. Especially, um, especially in an era when those recruits no longer have loyalty to you. Like, and, and rightfully so, yeah. rightfully right. so, because they can and leave at any moment. It college triple has always been a business. It used just to be a, a mostly one-sided business where the coaches made decisions to benefit themselves and their careers at like, the risk to players and yeah. players now have autonomy as well and make motivated choices on their own. And everyone acts like this is the end of the world and the fabric of college football is being torn asunder and yada, yada. Yeah. It's just like that relationship is much more naked and visible now. And look, if Aaron, I, I, like Aaron Nolan probably did get the best situation he could have gone to. Like, I don't think there was a better outcome for him than committing to Ohio state in the 2024. Still not. And there's still not. And that's the thing is like, Nothing about it has changed. He is, in 2024, going to battle for a job with two to three other quarterbacks who have also never taken real reps in meaningful college football games. And that's, unless Will Howard gets hurt this year, that's still going to be true next spring. Yep. The reality for him is he was he signed to Ohio State to battle for a job with other highly rated quarterbacks in the spring of 2025, and that's still the case. Whether it was Kyle McCord, or Will Howard starting, whether Julian Sane was in the class or not. Like, the reality of that has not changed at all. Uh, it's just a surprise to add this guy. And I'm sure Aaron Nolan didn't want Julian Sane in the class. Why would he? Like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to make your situation better? I, I believe that. And I think some people fall for the okey-doke from coaches or for media, and it's like, that's always going to be the case, is that, look, Ryan Day is not getting paid $10 million a year to have happy fun time. As much as he was talking about, like, tough love and the brotherhood and all this bullshit, once the chips are down, he realized that, oh, fuck, I could get fired if I don't win. Yeah. He had to change his approach. And all of these players have, like, changed their approach. Like, it's not like, I don't know, Jair Brown or Julian Fleming left because of, like, they didn't feel the right amount of love at Ohio State. It's because they right. wanted to go start and get starting jobs. And that's the case for Ryan Day, one of the best quarterback possible, the case of Aaron Nolan, to leave. Everyone is trying to win football games and get paid while they do it and go to the NFL. Yeah. Um, everyone, including the coaches, including the players, that is everyone's gig. Yep. And and to be fair, like I give credit to Ryan Day. He has never played that game with quarterbacks, especially. It's never happened. Like every single time. He's not time, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every single time he has a chance to upgrade the quarterback position, he takes it immediately without really even thinking that too much about it. Like it's it's something that he has always done. Um, I mean, he just pushed out a starting quarterback and brought in a different guy. Um, he just recruited over a five-star quarter. It's not recruited over. He's going to take both of them, but like he yeah. added another five-star quarterback. He brought in Justin Fields and essentially booted two incumbent quarterbacks. Like he, he is, he's not the guy that's going to play games with the quarterback position. And that's why, like, I just, aside from the information that we had, it just didn't pass the smell test of Ryan day yeah. being like, 
no, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna add this guy who I thought was like a generational quarterback just because yeah. these other guys might and, be mad. And the only year he didn't do it was this past season, probably because he actually thought Kyle McCord was good enough or Devin Brown would be. Yeah. And he was wrong. And he probably like learned the lesson there of like yeah. there is no value to loyalty. Like loyalty does not have a place in college football. It never yeah. should. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's that simple. I mean, to me. Um we have a few other quick hitters to run through that have happened since we were last on the podcast. Some of this stuff is not exactly breaking news. You guys have all known about this for over a week. We should still talk about it. Um, Ohio State hired an OC. Uh, they brought in Bill O'Brien um, of it, yep. Alabama and Patriots and Texans fame. Penn State. It seems, yeah, Penn State, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's fine. I, yeah, I don't listen. think it's like... <laughs> I mean, I, I I wrote about this more at length uh, when it happened. I this is not the hire I would have picked. I mean, I think I think we talked about that a lot. Like, if you gave me the whole list of like the guys that Ohio State was pursuing, I never would have been like, oh yeah, Bill O'Brien. Like that makes sense. But like, it also doesn't piss me off really either because I think it makes sense. Um, I think we were talking earlier, like last week, Ohio State didn't need to overhaul its offense. Like it just doesn't. Like the offense is largely fine. I think Bill O'Brien's a guy that is not going to do that. He's going to just like run what Ohio State essentially has in terms of offense, maybe toss in his own wrinkles or just his own style of calling the plays and yeah. like that or sort of organization of certain factors. Yeah, yeah, he, but he's not going to reinvent the Ohio State offense here, whereas like some of the guys on the list, for better or for worse, probably would have done that. And I think um, that is in a, in a lot of ways, it is a necessary hire, but it's like the safest version of a necessary hire. I said it like in, in my article, like this isn't necessarily the hire of a guy who's like trying of a Ryan day. Who's trying to like come up with the best, most ingenious hire uh, ever. It's a guy who knows that he can't fuck this hire up. And I think that yeah. like Bill O'Brien is not a fuck up of a hire. Like it's going to be completely fine. If like, I, I, I just, I, I, I think the floor is very low with Bill O'Brien. Maybe the ceiling's not the highest that it could be, but the floor is, is the lowest that it probably could be with hiring Bill Floor is the highest or the yeah. highest that it could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like when you look at when he went to Alabama, right, for the 21 and 22 seasons, basically he took over from the years of Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, who had run kind of their RPO heavy attack mm-hmm. and bolted his own play calling and kind of prioritization of certain factors on top of that. He didn't reinvent the system was there. He took what was already built and he adapted it to the way he wanted to call it, but it was largely the same structure. Um and he adapted, I think, pretty well to personnel. He had the Alabama offense look very different in 21 versus 22, which I think is a good sign for Ohio State. Um, I do think there are still parts of Ohio State's offense that were like, the biggest issue was definitely the quarterback play than the play calling, right? Yeah. Like there were just certain things we bitched about for years that were still a problem. Their red zone offense was an issue. Um, McCord's mobility and just the ability to play the quarterback position was a big issue. I also think like, they would go away from successful gap runs too often and like go back to their like their weak side boundary stretch bullshit. Uh, and I think you'll see some of that lessened. And also the benefit here, I'm, I'm gonna credit Dougley Maurice because I heard him say this and I'm gonna you know reiterate it here, is that when Ryan Day looked at the room the last couple of years, I mean Kevin Wilson, I guess just the last year really with, with Kevin Wilson being gone, there was no one else more experienced or as experienced as him that he was kind of like someone he could trust to throw this to. Yeah, it was all like lesser guys. And to be fair, that is his he did fault. That. He, he did that. Yeah, yeah. He, he did that. He corrected the mistake. I think it should have been something that was obvious and foresight, but he did correct it eventually. That's good. Um, he needs to have a veteran presence in that room who can run offensive meetings and run the show. Of course, he will still be involved. But like Doug was telling a story about where he sat in an Ohio State offensive meeting when Day was the head coach. I think it was yeah. 19 or 21. But where Ryan Day was the one like using the laser pointer to like like do everything like on the film breakdowns and like running the entire show. And it's like you're a head coach of a program that's a huge, massive program with all these other decisions to make. You don't have to do that film breakdown multiple right. days a week. That should not be something you're doing at that granular level of detail every single week. You should supervise, you should run the show, but you don't have to be in the weeds like that. On every play Bill O'Brien, doing it. Yeah. yeah. And Bill O'Brien is one of the hires available to him that gets him away from being in the weeds, which is great. Yeah. And, and I think it was, um, same, same conversation with that. Um, I think our good friend Bill Landis brought up too, that like the reason why Ohio state missed 
the fact that Xavier Johnson actually got a first down on that opening drive against Michigan was because immediately after the play, Ryan Day had to put his head down in the play sheet and get a play called up for the next, you know, the the next, like, figure out what they were running next. And, um, like, that's that's the sort of issue that, like, if you're not having the awareness of managing the game as a coach, uh, when you already when you also have the details of a, of a play caller, like, it is it's not an ideal situation. So like, even if Bill O'Brien calls the exact same plays that Ryan did, which I mean, it's not actually going to happen. That's not a realistic scenario, but if he is like a carbon copy of Ryan day and runs the exact same offense and just does it for Ryan day, I think that's a net gain for Ohio state. Even if it's, there's no new ideas or anything like that. Like the fact that somebody else is being able to do it and Ryan day can worry about things like, should I go forward on fourth down? Should I challenge this play? Should I call timeout here? Is our personnel right? like those sort of things and manage actually his staff and to make sure that his staff is doing their job and shit like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's a net win. So, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's I, think a very... I, I think I 90% agree, but just the caveat being like, do we know Ryan day is actually good at this shit? Like, no. and, and like, that's of course an unknowable answer because we've only seen him do it under the constraints you just mentioned where he was overworked and doing things he shouldn't have had to have been doing as well. But yeah, his value to the program has been as the quarterback guy in exactly. the OC. If he's no longer the quarterback guy in the OC, like we're going to find out real quick if he's actually a good coach. Because if things just stay the same, I think the answer is probably Ryan Day is not good enough. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I, I'm actually going to write about something along those lines next week, I believe. That's just like, this is a necessary change. It had to be made. But like at the same time, like, are we sure this is what Ryan Day's, you know? Yeah. Do it's it basically like this is. We've talked about it before as like a, a final final chance for him, basically, do it or don't. But like it really is like also just a revealing thing about like, does he actually have the goods? Uh, yeah, because... and, and I think that's fair because like it, it would be fair to for him to have been scared to make this move because like, yeah, what he's been good at so far has been his like play calling, his ability to craft an offense, his ability to game plan, his ability to develop quarterbacks. So it's like, is this really the guy that you want leading your program if he's not doing any of those things? Like, is he good at being a coach that isn't an offensive coordinator? We're going to find out. And, like, that's not even, like, a knock. Like, I, I think that's a legitimate thing to bring up. That's not really a knock because, like, it's pretty clear that he needed to make these moves. Like, he needed to pass the sticks, essentially. It's yeah. just a matter of, like, it's it's the reality. Like, we, we're going to figure out what he's actually good at, what his role actually is at Ohio State. Yeah, because presumably this gives him more time to run recruiting and transfer portal stuff. Obviously the portal acquisition so far have been really strong. I think there's still one major one left to make, which we're going to talk about uh, in a few minutes yeah. here. Um, at least one more. There's a couple others. Like, I'd like to see downstream as well. Um, it, and recruiting, we'll recruiting by and large has been fine, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just not in the trenches, well, but yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is like the other piece here is like, we're going to know even before we get to like the critical games of the season, is this Groundhog Day in recruiting again? Like, is it going to be another Ohio State class? Because looking at it right now, for the third or fourth year in a row, you can say, damn, Ohio State's poised to challenge the number one overall class in college football again. Yep. And it's true. They are in the mix for a lot of big-time guys. They already have quite a few big-time guys committed. They could very well do it. Will Ryan Day having more time to work on that and be directly involved in it and the changes that have been made from a systemic level to program about their involvement in IL institutionally, yada, yada, is all are all of those changes going to yield a different result in recruiting? Like, is he acting to the benefit out of that? I think we're going to find out. Uh, pretty like we're going to know probably before they play Michigan. Most of the hay will be in the barn with this class. We'll know before that. That's obviously yeah. his biggest test by far. Is can he beat Michigan? Can he do make noise in the playoff? Can he beat top five teams? Have a big test against Oregon early on as well. But like the recruiting, we'll know pretty soon too. Like, will the extra focus give him a benefit? Um, I'm eager to find out because if it doesn't work, I mean, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. but speaking of the portal acquisition, well, I guess one recruiting acquisition, one more portal acquisition here. Uh, Dom Kirk's committed to Ohio yeah, state. That's, that's a big um, one. That's a big one. Yeah, it's cool. It takes the class from an unmitigated disaster, defensive line to a mitigated disaster. Yeah. Um, not to be well, too it, negative it, here. Cause I know results yeah. have been good lately, but yeah, no, it, I mean that that's fair. And, and, and I think people say that, and I don't think many people listening to us are like the casual Ohio state fan, 
but it's it's tough to like say that when you're looking at a class that like Ohio State's going to be fine on the defensive line next year. Like it is. Like there's next there's year, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's going to defensive tackle depth's a little. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. We'll see. But but yeah. I, I think largely like like Ohio State is is like just dandy at defensive line next year. It's 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 totally fine. Um, now they even have like depth, like comfortable depth with. They're probably three deep if both Curry and Jackson stay because you got um, their true freshmen. But I mean, you've got Kirks and uh, Houston. So I think like those being your three deep guy, like you're good. You're good. Um, In the future, it was not a great situation because you essentially had, I was going to say maybe one. Well, I don't know. All that to say the future did not look great in terms of depth. But well, so adding, unless Kenyatta Jackson two. plans on returning some money, he's back, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think largely the, the defensive line will be fine next year. The future is a little more shaky, but there's this, it at least buys them some time too. Cause if they have a, we've been saying this for two years, but if they sign four or five defensive ends in this upcoming class, like, that will help that situation a little bit and hopefully yeah. maybe, maybe grab a, a portal target, even though that'll be pretty hard with, I don't know. It, it, it's a disaster. We've talked about it a lot, but um, adding, adding a guy and not only signing one playable defensive end in like a two year span. Um, it certainly helps. We've doubled the number of playable defensive ends <laughs> in the past two classes. So hopefully, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a hundred percent playable is, Ohio State signed the best safety in college football, or the second yeah, that best. Was cool. thing, how you feel about Caleb Downs and Malachi Starks? Um, that's that's sick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I think I, it, Ohio State just went and got like the best player in in the portal. It was pretty cool. Like yeah. I think that was that was one. It felt like a it felt like a pipe dream for a while. That was like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if Ohio State got like Caleb Downs and like. They solved they solved their like one hole on the defense or like biggest hole on the defense by just simply signing the best player in America. And it happened. It happened. They that was great. Yeah. Thank you to Nick Saban. We appreciate yeah. you. Good um, God. Nick Saban yeah. just handing us Julian Sane and Caleb Downs. Like that incredible. I wish we could have gotten Caden Proctor too, but I'll take this. I'll yeah, the trifecta. Of, the tri- trifecta. As the saying good. goes, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the defense now with Caleb Downs added to it. Like you could maybe say their Mike linebacker spot could be a little better than Cody Simon. I mean, Cody Simon's fine. I say he's a slightly above replacement level starting linebacker in the big 10. Yeah. Um, He's looked better in previous seasons. He was fine this past year. Kind of came on stronger towards the end. He's an experienced veteran player who can move well enough and do the job, especially I think with a much more dynamic player next to him now. Uh, with Sonny Styles, as we expect to happen, it seems written in stone it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a lot more comfortable. It's good. It's um, very funny though. Just looking at that defense, it's like one of these things is not like the other, and it's, that's not like to be too mean to Cody Simon. Like I think he's been again fine yeah. towards the end of the season, but you're just going through that list, and it's like all of these like clear cut future NFL players, like day one, day two picks, and then Cody Simon. Yeah. Like, and then there's Cody Simon and Ty Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ty Hamilton's <laughs> in there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other piece. So the other thing I'd say is if if they could, and I don't think they're going to do this. I think they're going to stick with Cody with him coming back. I'd like to see if an upgrade was available at linebacker, I'd be happy to get one. And if an upgrade was available, uh, defensive tackle is tricky, right? Because obviously you have Ty Leak back, just huge. Ty Hamilton is a very solid rotation player who I played quite a bit for Ohio State. He is perfectly fine. He's not a difference maker. Um, he is probably going to be their 10th or 11th best defender. Most times he's on the field. Um, I do like hero Kanu a lot, and I think he's going to be a big factor this season. They have other highly recruited guys at that position who are coming on. I mean, Taiwan Malone is now into his red shirt junior season this year. Uh, his second year with Ohio state, Mm -hmm. you have, uh, Caden McDonald and Jason Moore are in year two. Those are both big time recruits. They seem to like all those guys. The reports out about Malone were glowing out of fall camp, and he barely played it all this year. Yeah, Kanu came on a lot. McDonald, they seem to be there is a guy they're trying to find room for. They didn't redshirt him. They're trying to get him on the field. I think it's very possible that if one or two of those guys emerge, Ohio State is rock solid defensive tackle. Yeah. But you want to be able to rotate five or six defensive tackles ideally, right? And 
I think Ohio State has one star, one player who you trust to play a lot of snaps isn't a difference maker. One guy I'm pretty confident is going to be a breakout player in Hirokanu. I feel really good about Hirokanu. And then a bunch of question marks. What I would say is if you can get a clear rotation quality defensive tackle who can make a difference, I would love to go add one. If that pisses off Ty Malone or, or J.D. McDonald or Jason Moore, whoever, go with God, so be it. Like yeah. it's, it's a championship or bust kind of season. And I'm not, I'm not literally since they don't want a title, he'll be fired, but it's like pretty close to that. Um, if you can upgrade a D tackle in the spring, you should do it. It's hundred percent should be part of the plan. Yeah. And well, I think, I think the thing too, like I, I totally agree with you, but I think just like hearing you talk about the way that this position shakes out, this is a normal situation for defensive tackle. Like, like that is, that is a very normal position to be in, in terms of, a clear and a clear NFL guy is leaving. We have a guy who could potentially be like, who was a role player like the year before and some young unproven guys behind him. Like that's a very normal position to be in, in college football. Like it's just amplified by the fact that Ohio state has like the fucking Avengers at the rest of the positions on the defense. Like I, I am yeah. not, and also not, who like, they have to be concerned. Yeah. Right? But also it's about who they have to beat because yeah. you're going to play Michigan again, which Michigan for all of its faults, that, that, I mean, that whole line is basically gone on the offense. I'm pretty sure they're going to find a way to get a good line again. They tend to do that. And they're still going to be able to run the football, whether it's with their running back or they have a quarterback or somebody else. You'd yep. like to have some beef in the middle. You know Georgia is going to be able to push guys around in the middle. You'd like to have some, even though they lost a lot of interior linemen as well, you'd like to have a stout tackle group there. Yep. <laughs> and, like, I mean, Oregon is going to run the ball at him pretty well. I think Penn State just hired a great OC for their fit. They have two great running backs. And if their line can hold up, they're going to be a good offense. I like Kotal Nicky. Like, you want to have some guys that can make a difference on the interior yep. and disrupt you some do. plays. Oh, you can upgrade, upgrade. That's, that's all. But we agree. It's like not a disaster. It's I, just like there's room for improvement. I also will say, I'm holding my breath on this because I don't think it's going to happen. But a good way to, um, give some some breathers to guys in the middle of the game uh, especially on the on the interior is uh change up that front and go odd front yeah. a little more often because or you, yeah that too or how about just fucking rotate you know you can yeah. make subs in well, football it's allowed it's, that's not rota- rotating yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure for sure <laughs> for sure i just i just mean if you played essentially jack and um jt at that four eye position and had i leak yep. on the on the on the pure uh dt position on a on an odd man front that solves your problem with always having to have two defensive tackles on the field. And it allows you to get some of your um, other Jack edge players on, I mean, put CJ Hicks, it, it Jack, you know, yeah, things like that. Cool. There's, there's yeah. different things you can do. So I am, I am more optimistic than I was um, last year that we're actually going to see some, uh, some more odd front and actual scheme changes this, this off season. Cause it seems like, just reading between the lines on a lot of moves, it feels like uh, Jim Knowles is kind of getting more and more control over his defense than he has before. Um, but I, that's that's a way to solve the the problem of uh, not having a ton of de- tackle depth too. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, yeah, I hate to see that. The last kind of big note we got in our quick hitters list here, uh, Jim Harbaugh left for the Chargers. Oh, wow. Um, I'm stunned. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um, I thought I thought he had a new contract coming. Dude, it was any day now. Just, just hang on. Um, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, Harbaugh's leaving for the Chargers. Uh, it is overwhelmingly likely that Sharon Moore is going to be higher. In fact, uh, we I was I did a podcast last night. You guys listened to that in the Flipping the Field feed with uh, Brandon Justice and Dan uh, Thistauskas about Michigan openings. Uh, Brandon told us that uh, he's hearing that Michigan is actually applying for a waiver to the state government to waive that like uh, public position listing law where you have to have like a, uh, any job open for seven days before you hire somebody so they can hire more faster. Huh. Um, it's going to be him. Yeah. There's also a lot of rumors about his coaching staff already coming out. God. I think the rivals team reported that Mike Hart is likely out as well. He's going somewhere else. Um, that, and then the two, four, seven guys reported that Kirk Campbell is likely being promoted to OC and Steve Clayscale is likely to be promoted to DC. I love that. Uh, the DC one's more open. That's great news. <laughs> That's great news. I'm praying. No, nothing would like, make me happier than Michigan ending up with their own version of Ryan Day. Just yeah, with the internal um, hires and everything. To, like the oh my god. 
I'm not a religious guy. I'm certainly not like a weird religion guy, but there is a thing in Wiccan theology, <laughs> the law of threefold return, that every you do comes back to you three times. I think of the idea of making third base jokes for like several years, getting responded to by Michigan, not one, not two, but three internal promotions for the three most important positions on their staff. Yeah. I think that would be sick. I would love that. Yeah. It'd be really funny. It'd be, I've, I've already seen people walking it back. Like you just don't understand what, what Harbaugh made, like the joke that Harbaugh made. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, I can't wait. I already have a tweet drafted in case things go right the right way. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, that, that, That would be, that would be incredible all around. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I talked about this when it happened. Like, I think the, the only thing that was keeping me sane during Michigan's national title. And I, I think the thing is like their fans would like agree with this in large, in a large sense too, especially like, um, our good friend, Dan, when Ohio state won the national title in 2014, it felt like the beginning of something. It was like the beginning of like a dynasty almost. And whether, yep. whether that's how it turned out or not, like that's what it felt. It wasn't. It, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Ohio state stayed dominant, but they obviously didn't like go on a run. They didn't win the next year. They didn't, you know, like, yeah, it, it, they never it, threatened it, again in urban Meyer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it felt like it because Ohio state, like the day that they won the national title, they got all of their scholarships back. They had just signed a, uh, like their all of their sophomore class was coming back that had essentially led them to the national title. Like it felt like the yeah. beginning of something. This for Michigan feels like the end. It feels like the culmination of like three years of work. Essentially your coach is riding off into the sunset. Like, your quarterback, the, your generational quarterback, quote unquote, is, um, is, you know, going to the NFL, like all of your best players, they're gone. Like yeah. it, it feels like it's over. And like, that's, that was the only thing that's keeping, that was keeping me sane. Um, and I mean, that's kind of how it's shaking out. Like, obviously we, we have to play the games next year and we have to see what this program becomes, but yeah. like, they'll still have all, a great defense and yada, yada. Yeah. There's a lot the, of things shifting around. Yeah. Right. Right. And so like, that's, that's the thing. Um, and I think their answer will be like, hey, the, I think they answer this directly. The goal of college football is to win a national championship. And I think that is the goal when you have not won a national championship in a long time. Yeah. But as they will quickly find out, like the, the way as much of diseased freaks as we are, once you get that first title, the goal is no longer to win a title. The goal is oh, to no, win it's... several titles. Yeah. The goal is to win a title every year. That is like, and and no one does it except Alabama uh, and Georgia. Even they had two in a row. Now yeah, it's but, open, but now it's open. Like the heavens have parted. I think it will feel that way, and then all of a sudden, once you see what great coaching and great program management, all this stuff looks like, you can never look at like a ten and two season as awesome that we did great this no. year ever again. You no. can say that the first year, and the first year they probably will feel that way. Oh, hey, look, we just got a title. It's year one of Shromore. Give it's it five fine. years. Whatever happens. Five years. No, less than that. I say give it two, three years. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? What do you mean we signed <laughs> the number 236 overall prospect? When well, they start dipping into Massachusetts again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels this way right now. I'm telling you, it will not feel that way. Yeah. And it's true for us. I will never again, probably the rest of my life as an Ohio State fan, ever be happy with a 10 and 2 year. No. No. Unless, no. unless, which will, I guess, uh, let me walk that back because at some point we'll fuck up a hire again. And some guy will like his last year, he'll go, he'll go have like a run of like 10 and nine and three, then eight and four, and then he'll get fired. And then like the next year, it's like, okay, 10 and two feels like progress. Like now it's, but then like the year after that, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a a one year reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's the disease, man. Now you've got it. Like you contracted it and look, a title is worth it. I'm not talking like they won the championship. They should feel very good for, for a good while. It just doesn't last as long as you think it does. No. You'll, you'll have those memories forever, but like in the moment, and like whenever you look back on a season, you always feel about fondly about it. You'll have like, I still consider like the day would be Alabama is one of the best days of my life. They'll yeah. always feel that way too, but it feels a little worse every day. Uh-huh. You get further from it. It feels a little less powerful uh-huh. and you need more. Yep. Yeah. You it's need like drugs. more. It's like drugs. It is. It is. Yeah. So, Congrats on that. You know what else you is kind of like drugs? To, oh, yeah, go ahead. So. I was, I was going to say they just did meth for the first time, and they're insisting yeah. that that it's going to ride them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Good luck No, with I can that, quit buddy. whenever I want, dude. I can quit yeah. whenever I want. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you know what else kind of feels like drugs to us, Kevin? I think I know, but I'm going to let you tell me. Oh, it's purchasing the fine goods of Homefield Apparel. Yeah. Can you tell us about the fine vintage collegiate apparel of Homefield? 
Yeah, you know, it is our vintage-inspired apparel of choice. It is so soft. It is so stylish. It will make you, like, if you're, Ryan, I think you're a solid, like, eight in terms of attractiveness when you're not wearing home-filled apparel. When you (laughs) were wearing home-filled apparel, I think you're a solid, like, nine and a half. You know, I think it's, like, it it takes you up that, like, extra 1.5 points. And so, like, some of you might be sitting at, like, a solid three and a half, but three and a half to five that is a big difference. And so yeah, and with that Buckeye gear, you're an Ohio seven, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. And so, especially on game days, if you need, if you need to suit up on game days, because like the other thing is most game day apparel sucks. And so if you are being compared to everybody else, who's wearing their like Meyer Buckeye shirts or whatever, yeah. and you're wearing home, they're all the express Braxton Miller jersey. They've had exactly for nine years. Hey, that, that's crispy though. That's crispy. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, if you're if you're being compared to everybody else's Buckeye attire, that's like an extra two and a half points on the on the attractiveness scale. So you started off at a three point five, and I'm going to show off my math skills here. All of a sudden, you're a six, you know, just oh, because yeah. you bought from you bought you got you bought from a home field apparel. So if you are thinking of upgrading your wardrobe and your looks, head on over to homefieldapparel.com. You can scroll through and peruse all the Buckeye apparel, and if you are making your first purchase from Homefield Apparel. Use the code meet at midfield for 15% off of that first order. If you're not making your first order, you know, go ahead and just let them know in the comments that we sent you. It doesn't do much for us. They already like us. Um, so I just do what you do, but um, let them know, you know, it, it is, it is uh, nice of them to know where their business is coming from and uh, you know, enjoy the boost to your closet and your confidence. Yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta get some. Uh, yeah, use that code if you haven't bought it before. If you have, just buy it anyway and tell them about us. But um, Kevin, we're gonna get a little high on our own supply here, keeping the drug metaphors going. Um, Love drugs. Our next segment on this free podcast before we ch- switch over to the premium is that we're gonna talk about. I wrote an article uh, back in early January, I don't know the exact publication date, um, where I called it the chopping block, and the principle was. What are the 15 changes that Ryan Day had to make to get to where Ohio State wanted to go this year, which is contending for titles again, beating Michigan, at least very seriously threatening for a national title, if not outright winning. Um, as you guys may have noticed, if you're alive, there have been quite a few of those changes happened in Ohio State. This motherfucker must have been reading the post. Like I he, oh, he, he, was, he has he has to have a subscription somehow. I know with fair certainty. The people in that building do, in fact, read our tweets. We have been referenced or subtweeted or, like, you know, accidentally followed by certain coaches that I've yeah. followed too many times. Or blocked. We're in the walls a little bit. You're blocked. Yeah, I got blocked by Larry Johnson this year. I just realized it, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty funny. Look, I'm not saying we're responsible for Ohio State getting better at football, but we're not not responsible. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have certainly <laughs> helped. I, I will yeah. say, like, it's... I, I, there was somebody I saw on Twitter the other day that was like, what's complaining about Ohio state football on Twitter going to do for the program? Like what productively does that do? And it's like, buddy, you'd be surprised. Like makes like him feel nervous. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like I think more than, and this, this probably works in everything um, these days, like even politics to an extent too, you have more power now as a, an individual person than ever before in like humanity. By simply yeah. just being able to put your words online and have people see them and sometimes care about them. You know, like yeah. it is, it is legit. Like you can, there have been multiple coaching searches that have been altered by fan backlash and like, you know, media backlash of just tweets, you know, like yeah. Greg, Greg Chiano yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, the Kentucky one, uh, um, Mark Stoops. Oh yeah. To, whenever to, Mark to Stoops almost got hired at A&M. Yeah. At A&M yeah. and people got outraged too. Like it, it's happened multiple times. So for people to say like, uh, you know, negative tweets don't do anything but hurt the program. That's not true. If you are, if there is something that you are not happy about, talk about it. And if other people agree with you, you could get Parker Fleming fired because like straight up, I don't think in a vacuum, Parker Fleming, Ryan Day would have just like evaluated Parker Fleming and been like, listen, man, this isn't good enough. I sincerely believe that maybe maybe he would have done he it eventually. He gave an extension last yes. year. <laughs> and so, so it, it expedites the process. The fact that everybody, everybody 
was unanimously on Parker Fleming for being a fuck up and like ruining Ohio State special teams, being a complete waste of a hire. Like that was a consensus opinion by the end of this year. And that yeah. is what got Parker Fleming fired. It wasn't Ryan Day independently just like going into his office and being like, nah, this isn't working. Like, I sincerely believe he would not have gotten fired this year if Ryan Day did not feel the pressure to do so. And and here's the thing, too. If you follow the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism, as myself and Kevin do, uh, you will know that any revolution has to start with a vanguard party. There has to be a first step in the war to get you to where you're going. You have Someone has to kick it off. They have to take the risk, the brunt of it, uh, the heat. They have to get in there, and they're probably maybe a little bit ahead of their time, but you don't get somewhere by like asking for moderate proposals. You have to be aggressive. And I, maybe we're taking too much credit. Maybe I'm taking too much credit for us. I don't think in my heart of hearts that if we weren't as fucking loud uh, and, and people alongside us too, about criticisms of Ryan day, that the rest of like the Ohio state beat ecosphere would be as, as like also critical, but less so as they are currently, yeah. there would be much less criticism if there wasn't an extreme edge to it, which I think we're pretty close to the front, at least me, certainly. I, I know you're very critical as well, but I think I take it oh, to an unhealthy yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If that didn't exist, the more like no, moderate critiques that are actually heard would never exist. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And I, I have think, to advance the position. And I, I think, I think the thing is like, we pretend, well, people pretend, maybe they don't pretend, maybe they actually think this, that like this is a frivolous thing to be mad about because it's just college football. Like, it fuck is... you if you say that to me. Fuck you. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but what 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 I'm getting at is also, it's not really because the most the highest paid public employee in the state is Ryan Day, so it actually makes all the sense in the world for Ryan Day to be also the most scrutinized human in the state of Ohio. Right. Like logically, does that just not make the most sense if the highest paid public employee in the state effectively state money is also the most scrutinized? Like, I, I think I credit to Doug Lamarie's. We've talked about him a lot on this pod. I think he understands that in a sense, too, that like a journalist's responsibility is like a, a public affairs journalist, in a sense, um, is to you know, essentially be the watchdog of like where that public money and stuff is going to like if a public institution like Ohio State is hiring somebody who is not, you know, doing their job well or doing their job to the best of his ability, like it actually is like it sounds insane, but it's the responsibility of like a free press to like call that out. And so like I'm not to say that like college football is the most important thing ever, but like a state it's employee that's paid nine million dollars. If a yeah. state employee that's paid $9 million to like do his job and there's nobody that's like going to call him, hold him accountable to it. Like people are just supposed to unanimously support and just like blindly follow through with every decision that the that coach makes. Like, no, that that's not, that's not how this works. Like he should be scrutinized. And I think Doug more than anyone else, like kind of realizes that and like sees his role of a quote unquote watchdog journalist to make it not so serious. But like, I don't know. It's, it, it is legit that like, it is important to to have these conversations aside from just like, I want my football team to do good. That's that's where my motivation comes from, to be clear. But like yeah. maybe Doug has a more honest and like sincere belief in that. But like, I just want my football team to be good. And that's enough for me. But like criticizing a, a state employee paid nine million dollars a year is like a noble thing to do. Yeah. And it's also not like we don't have this with other businesses. Right. Even if you took it as like a private equity, a private firm or something like that, where you compare it to like the management of a Tesla or Microsoft or somebody, those guys also get critique. Like if you're Ryan Day is the CEO of a large organization, if you fuck it up, you should be yelled at. And it's that And I'm a stakeholder in this because I work for a website that directly profits from Ohio state being good. And so we both have degrees too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're we're shareholders. Yeah. I put my money in. Yeah. yeah, I paid for tickets. Fuck you. That's true. Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio State being good at football has a direct financial impact on my life in many ways. So, uh, yeah, man, we're, oh, we're yeah. going to talk shit. So, All right, so let's let's do the shit talking then. Yeah, let's go through a chopping block list here. We're going to go through a point by point. Um, some of these have been achieved. Others have not. We're going to talk about those. Step one, you guys might have guessed it. It's fire Parker Fleming. This God one bless. was done with resounding success. Um, in this article, I here is the the... 
I will just say uh, the, the paragraph I wrote for this. I'm going to read it briefly. Lucifer, Shaitan, Asmodeus, <laughs> Payman, Baphomet, Moloch, Beelzebub, Memon, Parker Fleming, the great demons of the Western world, all manifested under one crown to coach Ohio State special teams. There is nothing I can say about him that you don't already know. He is a devil in the flesh, a malingering spirit, who is not only allowed to haunt the halls of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center in the first place after slithering his way in from Capitol. No, he was invited back for a second and third year. Uh, given a raise and a contract extension to continue his dark rituals that have cast a shadow on the heart of Buckeye Nation. That is how I felt about him. He's gone. He's gone. We've exercised <laughs> the demon. Uh, this one, we do, we just talked about so much. We do not need to, no. to go further. But Parker Fleming is gone. Point one, accomplished, Kevin. We're at one out of one. Yep. We counted home. Point two, hire a fifth defensive assistant to coach linebackers. This no. one is TBD. Yeah. Um, we don't know yet. They currently have nine coaches under staff of their 10. James Laurinaitis has been temporarily elevated to a full-time coach. Um, we'll talk about this more because we have some other ones kind of interlink with this one. So I'm just we're gonna we're gonna pause here while we keep reading the others. Um, point three was fire Larry Johnson or move him to a non-full-time role. Uh, this one is not going to be completed. They will not do this. Yeah. So we're at one out of two with a third one pending so far. So one out of three, basically. And fourth is hire a new coach for the defensive line. So those, those three there, the fire Larry Johnson, hire a fifth defensive uh, coach to coach linebackers, and hire a new coach to the D-line are kind of all intertwined. None of them have been completed so far. From our understanding, it's like the effort, and from reporting by Austin Ward, that the effort was going to be to hire Jason Taylor, uh, Miami's co-defensive line coach, to be a co-defensive line coach at Ohio State, uh, and then take over for Larry Johnson the following year. That now seems unlikely to happen. My guys at Miami have told me it seems like an extension is coming for Jason Taylor. He successfully parlayed Ohio State's interest into a new contract, which congrats to him. Um it also seems like they are doing everything in their power to not hire James Arnitis, which is fine by me. Their plan is to get another defensive line coach, keep Laurinaitis as a GA or whatever you want to call him for one more year, and then let Larry Johnson retire after the succession plan has been in place at D-line, and then bring on a linebacker's coach. I think this is cowardice. I don't think this was necessary. I think Ohio State could have hired a good D-line coach to replace Larry Johnson. I do not believe that after their money contracts have been signed that JT Tumaloa and other guys would leave Ohio State. Um, I don't think that would happen. I think Ohio State could have had its, you know, had its cake and eaten it too. I think they could have gotten a new D-line coach and, and had a linebackers coach and had a full defensive staff. It does seem like they're going to have a full defensive staff of five coaches. That seems good. One way or another, yeah. Yeah, which is a win, ultimately. I am not convinced they can pull off this idea of hiring a, a defensive line coach to go alongside Larry Johnson, of one who's of any quality, which means I think they're going to have to settle for James Laurinaitis because they not they did not want to do that. I don't think we know if Laurinaitis is even a good linebackers coach, and it's definitely not the first choice they had for their staff construction. I I would argue that this might be the best move in the long run because I think that first off I think defensive line is probably the most important position on the defense in a lot of ways like in in terms yeah, of just like 100%. like 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 where where everything starts like I feel like if you have a good pass rush and a good defensive line that sets up whoever you have at the rest of the, on the rest of the defense I think it's vitally important I if it's not Jason Taylor I would have been fine with that. I am just wholly unconvinced, as you said, that they could get a quality defensive line coach to come in and coach a year alongside Larry Johnson. I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think on the un, under the understanding that Larry Johnson is going to retire or be pushed out in a sense after this year, I think the best way, if it's not Jason Taylor, to end up with the best long-term defensive line coach is to just sever, like at this point, sever ties with uh, completely with Larry Johnson at the end of next year. They should have done it this year. I think we're, we're all on the same page on that. They should have just fired him this year 
and brought in a new guy this year. But as it stands, I, I don't really want like a, I don't want them to settle for a guy that would come and be a co-DC under Larry Johnson for a year and take like, I, I, I just, I, I don't like that coach even. or co- yeah, Cody, yeah. Cody line coach under Larry Johnson. And like, I just don't think that that's going to end up with the best possible caliber guy. In right. That and it's also kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Like you're because like, then you're going to have gonna, to fire that guy eventually. Like at, well, not even that, like whenever you, yeah, that's true. But also, even if you were to just like, just, yeah, look, I think the thought process of Cody line coach would have worked for like one or two guys of quality in college football. And it seems like they already struck out. Unless you convince, like you're just not going to convince a Chris Partridge or a Randall Joyner or no, someone of actual that's quality not happen. to go work under Larry Johnson for a year and give up the job they have. Yeah, you, you just got to pray that those guys are around for another year and then right and go for it next that, Like so, that was never going to happen. So then next year, whenever Larry Johnson retires, who's to say you aren't going to be having the same conversation about keeping Hiro Kanu or Edric Houston or Jason Moore, Caden McDonald? Yeah. Or every other guy in your program who came here for Larry Johnson, because you like still don't. Yeah, you still don't yeah. have a defensive line coach. You still can't recruit this position. You're still in a dire situation. I don't know. It's it's not going to be great. Which is why, if they wanted flexibility here, my opinion was because I, I thought this was always low odds. They should have moved as fast as possible and hired someone right after the season to come be a full time D line coach. Ask Larry Johnson nicely to retire, and if he said no, fire him. And if that didn't, and if like at that point. Once you talk to Ty Leak and uh, and JT Tumalo out, whoever else about coming back, and they say, no, I only want to play for Larry, you would have had time to go get quality players in the portal to replace the situation. Yep. And maybe it's maybe it's better, maybe it's not, because you would have had a D-line coach who aligns with your defensive, co- defensive coordinator's scheme and who executes that. You could have gotten good talent out of the portal. It would have been expensive, but they're clearly spending all the money in the world right now. They have no worries about money. This, like this is just a reactive plan with low odds that would not have would not have worked in my opinion, and they yeah. had one guy to make it work basically, and they couldn't get him. So now you're left with a similar structure to what you had last year. Even if you fix the problem of only having four defensive line coaches, you're not really solving your larger problem. Yeah, um, yeah, it's I, bad I, process, I, and it got a bad result. Yeah, I will say if they would have fell and asked first into Jason Taylor. It would have been a we fine, would have been wrong. fine result. And that would yeah. have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, but what but, were your odds of that? What were your odds of getting the guy well. who spent, you know, over a decade in Miami and was doing good work there? And then, you know, he just got his son, which, by the way, I want to point this out. Got his son. Yeah, his son. Yeah, his son, Mason Taylor from LSU, just transferred there. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have gotten that guy. We needed a tight end, too. We could have done the same fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could have done the same exact thing. Yeah. We also have a starting spot open at tight end. Yeah. Um, and we just didn't do it. Whatever. He's better than Wilcock Merrick, by the way. Yeah. Um, could have killed two birds with one stone, probably. Ugh. But that's what you get when you wait. Um, it was reactive. I, I think if they end up with just James Ornitis, Larry Johnson, Macarary, uh, Tim Walton, and Jim Knowles, their defensive staff, this fine. is a failure. It's fine. I, I, I it think it's failure. fine, but yeah. It yeah. could have been better. It could have been better. Because um, as you're saying, like, I. I am, I am not, I don't, I don't know that James Laurinaitis can coach linebackers and the fact that they seem so reluctant to name him the, the linebackers coach immediately like that, you know, that says something to me. Um, I know obviously like Jim Knowles is so involved with the linebackers like that on some level, like that's his quote unquote position group. I, I doubt that he is like in there, like coaching linebackers, you know, on technique every day or whatever, but like um he kind of at least oversees that so i think if there's any position that they can go without i mean they went without a linebackers coach this year essentially if there's any position where they can go without a linebackers coach it's that one but um yeah i i I don't i don't love it but at least they'll be having five full-time guys on the defensive staff like that 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 gets that does address what's the what's the bullet point number two yeah higher it, it, it does get that Across. That's what we're going to call it two out of four because they are going to hire a defensive coach. It's just a matter yep. of when and who. Uh, we'll call it two out of four generously. Yep. Um, points five and six are fire one of Corey Dennis or Keenan Bailey uh, and then hire a legitimate play caller to take over the offense. Yep. Those are done. Uh, Bill O'Brien's in. We talked about him already. So that's they're now at four out of six, right? Um, points seven and eight. 
refire McMurati and hire a strength coach with roots the conjugate method. They have not done this. They're not going to do this. They're going to stick with McMurati. Um, they are bringing in on a temporary basis Anthony Schlegel to work with the strength conditioning program. Yep. Um, Tony Gerdman of Buckeye Huddle has pointed out the numbers of injuries per year with and without Anthony Schlegel. On it's incredible. It's unreal. Schlegel is a better strength coach than Roddy, flat out. He's also, I'm also tampering down the stuff. He's not here on a full-time basis. It's a temporary thing because one of their strength coaches had a surgery or an injury of some kind. First of all, uh, our buddy specialist made this joke on Twitter. Our strength conditioning is so bad that our strength coaches are getting hurt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It's an improvement. Having Schlegel for now is better than not having Schlegel, but it does not address the problem. It is a Band-Aid to a gaping chest wound. Um, Yeah. By all accounts, I think by all accounts, I think Schlegel was um, very well respected among, I mean, the strength and conditioning community and the players and stuff too. Like I think when he went to, and this is pretty unheard of, when he went to Jacksonville, because uh, he went to Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, when he went, that's that's where that's where he went. When he went to Jacksonville, there were a lot of players like so in the NFL, like. Uh, guys typically want to work with their own strength and conditioning people. Like that's kind of like players don't usually always use the team strength and conditioning coach. Like that's not super a thing. Um, at the very least, the players, like the coaches don't have like full autonomy over the players the same way that they do in college. Like they don't just have to show up and go through these like insane workouts that uh, coach Mick puts them to. Like that's not a thing. It's primarily but, for practice squad players and like, you know, camp. hundred percent. But there were, from what I understand, a lot of actual like NFL guys and Jaguars guys that wanted to work with Schlegel specifically yeah. once he went to, um, to Jacksonville because he is that well respected. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be fine if his, his move to full-time would just be to take McMurati's position. That'd be cool. Like, it'd, yeah. Be it'd be better. I still think it, uh, I still don't love uh, Schlegel's programming comparison to the best possible options, but it's yeah. it's better. It'd be better. It'd be an improvement. Yeah. Uh, but they won't do it. So we are at four out of eight so far. Uh, batting 500. Yep. Point nine is Hunt in the transfer portal for a one-year rental starting quarterback. Damn. Yep. Obviously, they did this. Uh, they got Will Howard. He wasn't one of the guys. He wasn't like my top choice, but uh, they did get him. Um it's better than not having Will Howard. It's better than just rocking with Devin Brown. So we'll call that a win. Uh, that is five out of nine. Um, point 10 is Hunt in the transfer portal for two starting caliber offensive linemen. This one is halfway done. They've gotten Seth McLaughlin. They have not gotten a tackle yet. I don't think any of the tackles currently in the portal for this segment they're going to take as a starter. There is a guy I know they are talking to who would be a red shirt for one year, play the next guy. Um, we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, seems Micah Sahaki and Fornell. They are going to have to go get, I mean, uh, they better go get a tackle in the spring, right? you got to go induce a guy. Yeah. I have a list of players I tweeted out who I said I would induce to the portal. I think I called it tampering with. Um, this is halfway done. So we're and at. Uh, I yeah. I like their odds. I like their odds there too. You need one player, and I, they did it last year with uh, Josh Simmons. And it's not like a guy that we like. He was not at the top of our list of guys that we would want. You know, he's a, in my opinion, was like an above average Mountain West player, and they just yeah. wanted him to be their starting left. But it tackle. worked. It worked yeah. out fine. It was it was definitely a result of a process situation there. It was not what I would have dreamed up, but yeah. Um, there there are. I and, think there are going to be plenty of guys in the spring that are going to look at Ohio State's roster and be like, huh. This team's gonna, you know, this team's gonna be a favorite for the national championship. I should go here instead. Um, I, I I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, it's a it's a five and a half out of ten so far. Yep. Uh, we'll call that one a half. Yeah. The uh, point eleven is Hunt in the transfer portal for a starting tight end. They got Will Kakmarek. Not the guy I would have dreamed up, but it's good enough. It's better it is, than yeah, it is Scott. a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So six and a half out of eleven. Um, point 12 is keep an eye for the right kind of talent upgrade at running back or wide receiver. Uh, I would call getting the best or second best running back in the country. Uh, that hits as well when you already had the first or second best running back in the country. And, um, and I think keeping a Mecca Buka, 
uh, kind of yeah is is part of that too. So that's that's a yeah. it's an addition by by keeping in that situation. Yeah. They didn't have to go and get a starting receiver because they have Ameka Buka and yeah. you know Jeremiah yeah addition by retention. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, so, so we're at seven and a half out of twelve uh, right now. Um, the last one is Hunt in the transfer portal for starting or contrib- multiple starting or contributing defensive linemen. Um, the fact that they retained all of Tumalowal, Sawyer, and Tyleek and only lost Mike Hall means I would scratch this one. I would call this a success for them because they kept those guys. I yep. would still like to see a contributing defensive tackle at it. Um, I think they need someone. I, I still want an upgrade defensive tackle in the rotation. But I'll count this as a full one, yeah. uh, which puts it at eight and a half out of thirteen. We talked about this. We don't have to go over it again. Yep. Um, Fourteen is move Sunny Styles to linebacker and hunt in the transfer portal for another starter. Um, yeah, this this did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're at what is that nine and a half out of fourteen? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, eight and a half or nine and a half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. This one's happening. And the last one is Hunt in the transfer portal for at least one starting safety. Damn. They did yeah. it. Yeah. So 10 and a and half they kept out of 15. Ransom. And they kept Ransom. Yeah. Too, and they so. kept Ransom. Yeah. So 10 and a half out of 15. Uh, the remaining work to do is to uh, hire, or, or it's just to hire a defensive coach for County has already done uh, and to get a, uh, get a right tackle. Um, they're not going to make a change to McMurray. It's already too late to do so when the rest of the season underway. Um, so best case scenario, if they still pull off some kind of defensive line switch, they could go higher, but 10 and a half out of 15 is pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's... and also, yeah, I just want to say, I think we said we'd be happy with half on, on one of our pods. I think we said we'd be happy with half. If they did, see what I... I don't remember what, it, what we said, but I, I think we said if they did seven, seven of the, we'd, we'd be, I think I said like 12 and you said, seven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, um, I, I think I think my thing too is like some of the things that they did in this situation, like, are we're so are beyond so good. a simple win. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like they didn't just go and get one starting safety; they got the best starting safety in the country. Um, they didn't replace Sonny Styles with a viable starter; they replaced Sonny Styles with the best, best safety, safety in the country. In college yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I mean even even terms of like transfer portal hunting at defensive line. Like they kept, you know, future NFL players on the defensive line. Like that's, that's a big win for me. Obviously running back, they got the best running back available essentially. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a few here that are just like so good that it, it ended up being perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a really good start to the progress. And I do want to say, by the way, there's been a few Ohio State fans that have been kind of chirping at me lately of like, oh, see, you wanted Ryan Day fired and we get this offseason. How are you feeling now? And it's, first of all, let him win the games, motherfucker. Let him actually do it before we say anything. Uh, I've fallen for this trap before. Two, these are the same people who are telling me none of this shit was necessary. The same people who yes. are fighting with me about this are the same That's ones the who thing. like, Happy for status quo. They said nothing to change. Ryan Day's a great coach. He knows how to do everything perfectly. Yes. We were right. Yes. He's, <laughs> because Ryan Day is doing all of the things that I said months ago that he should do, sometimes in the in cases years ago that he should do, then I'm wrong. Like, I, I said, like, two years ago, this is why Ryan Day was losing games. And all of a sudden, yeah. like... And he oh. wasted two years on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not exactly. giving him a fucking pat in the back for wasting two years of my time. And 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 I will say, I, I think... I don't think you're on in this line of thinking my whole thing is like no i don't want ohio state to have to fire ryan day i don't i don't want that to, to be what ends up happening i i would love ryan day to I, fix his shit and end up being because i don't like no like there will be like a reset year or two if ohio state ends up having to hire another head coach there just will you're seeing what happens at alabama when they're going from i mean it's a different thing nick saban like was you know suddenly retired and like yeah. was the best coach of all time and like you're seeing what but you're seeing what happens when you when players have full autonomy to leave and a coach leaves i don't want that to have to happen to ohio state the way ohio state's been recruiting i want them to hold on to all of these players and just keep it going i just yeah. want ryan day to be successful yes. so no i don't want ryan day to be fired i want him to do the right thing and not have yeah. to be fired 
my ideal outcome is being wrong and getting a national championship. Yeah, that's great. I would love to, I would much rather have that than to be right about Ryan. Day. But I th- I think the other thing at this point though is like as you're mentioning, you're not even wrong. Like it's it's not even about being right or wrong. Like he has done all of the things that have like if Ohio State wins a national title, it would be it will be because he addressed this list of things that he needs to get addressed. Like it's yeah, I, I don't know. And then like I think oh, yeah, the other yeah. The other thing is there's there's just no way that the team is going to be worse after doing all of these things. Like, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand how any fan could look at all this list and be like, oh, Ryan Day doesn't have to do any of these things. Because, like, if you do all of these things, there's just no way that the product of the team is worse. No chance. No chance at all. Yeah, no, none. It's it's going to be an improvement. Um. Yeah, well. I think that's our free podcast. You and I are going to kick over to the premium. We have some questions we're going to answer from Q and a for our subscribers. Yep. We're going to talk about more about the S and C about the remaining staff hire to be made. Um, we're going to get into that shit. Uh, if you guys want to come join us and hear more of this, come on over to the Q and a for the premium um, and subscribe to me at midfield.com. But uh, Kevin, I will see you on the premium. Sounds good.